It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, 78 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you do or do not want to do in your garden. If you want to be an organic gardener, give me a call. I'll give you advice on how to do that. If you want to know how to control bugs in your house, give me a call. I'll tell you how to do that as well. Sharon, as a matter of fact, called to ask that very same question just a few minutes ago, and here she is on the air. Hey, Sharon, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Sharon. What do you What do you have? I have a problem every time it rains, or just not even rain sometimes. Yeah. There's water bug, big water bug. Now I call this exterminator to come out and spray, yeah, yeah. and I notice it still can come back into the house. Big, big brown ones, right? Big, big brown and big yeah. dark. <laughs> big dark ones, yeah, sure. The best way, I think, Sharon, to control the water bugs um, is, is to make a little band of insecticide around the house and up the foundation a couple of feet because they live mostly in the mulch around your doorway or under the windows, um, just in places that have a lot of mulch around them. And so the mm-hmm. easiest way, it seems to me, to control them is to get one of their, you know, all sorts of liquid garden insecticides or landscape, inse- landscape insecticides, they're called, and spray just to make a little band about two feet out from the house foundation into the mulch there. Get a good spray into the mulch, and then a band up the foundation a couple of feet to get a good insecticide coverage there. And I think you'll see most of them will disappear in just a week or so. They'll all be dead because they can't oh. live. Okay, so you said it's going to like make loads of home depot and get some yeah, so you need some, some water-based. Don't get the aerosol. The aerosol is pretty expensive and won't do as well, I think, as the water-based stuff does. But the, they have either the trigger sprayers you can use ready to use, just spray, 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 spray. It'll make your hand hurt to use it. Or you can get the concentrate mm-hmm. that you mix up in a, in a garden sprayer and then spray that. But again, just a band a couple of feet wide on the mulch around the doors, windows, and openings in the house. That kills most of the water bugs that I see just fine. Okay, they spray the outside of the house. Yeah. Can I ask one more question? You know, one more thing, Sharon, since I'm talking to you about, you mentioned outside of the house. If you have them inside the house, there are traps that do a great job in controlling. They're not fast, but they do a great job in ultimately controlling ants, water bugs, roaches, all the creepy crawlers you don't like them inside the house. So I would use a trap, Mm -hmm. and there are various sizes of traps to use, and get one of those traps and put those inside. The little white thing that they crawl inside. Yeah, yeah, you got Okay, it. I get that from the uh, hardware store too, yeah. correct? Same thing, yeah. Yeah, and then last question. I just, problem. my problem is to keeping the weeds off around my uh, air condition. Hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, air condition guy said that, uh, to keep the weeds away from it sure. so it won't get inside and mess sure. up my uh, uh, air condition. So yeah. I was trying to figure out what should I put down to keep the weeds away because I was told to put the little black screen down and then put rocks on top, the little bit of rocks. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, the landscape fabric becomes a mess after a while because no matter how clean you seem to keep it, landscape fabric, eventually some weed, some plant is going to root through it, and then it's the real devil to get the landscape fabric back off the ground because the roots of the plant get wound up in it. 
Honestly, yeah. what why not dig things up? What's what's wrong with just going within every two or three weeks? Just dig things up that are growing around the air conditioner unit. You could do mm-hmm. that, Sharon. Come on, you know you could. You say do what now, around dig, the air conditioner? Dig, dig them up. Just dig them up. Pull them up and dig them up. Get rid of them. By that, we would not have to put any any mulch or landscape fabric around it at all. I mean, if you wanted to, I guess you could pull them up and then put uh, wood chips, put bark chips around too to help to minimize the weeds. But I think just pulling them up would be fine. Okay, so don't put the rocks around it. No, I don't think that's necessary, no. If you're good, like okay. every, th- every three weeks, go out there, pull the weeds, chop them down if you need to with a hoe or mow them if you can with a lawnmower or something like that. I think that's fine. All you want to do is keep the height of the weeds away from the um, input or the intake of the air conditioner, and they won't do any damage to it at all. I think that's what you ought to do. Larry is in Atlanta and has a question about his grubs. Hey, Larry, good morning. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I hear you great, Larry. What's up? Okay. Well, for decades, I had a really good garden. I had so many vegetables. I had to give them away. Yeah. But now I've been, my uh, soil has been invaded by this. It looked like a little green worm. All right. And And you can find it. You know, when you pull like a squash plant up uh-huh. and, and you look in the root, they're in the roots. Huh. And, you know, they bore holes in cucumbers. They bore in squash. And uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I know there's a, a worm called a pickle worm that gets into cucumbers and squash both. It's a little bitty worm. It's only about an inch long, I guess, Larry. And it makes yeah. a tiny little hole in the fruit and goes into the fruit and feeds inside there. And when you, you know, harvest the fruit, you have to cut it out before you can eat the squash or eat the cucumber. Right, but I can't, you know, I've read and read and read and looked in the Internet and asked around, but what can you put, what can you do to the soil to kill these things? They don't live in the soil. It's hard. I think it's almost impossible to kill them in the soil. The best place to kill them is when they are on the fruit before they go boring into the rind of the fruit. And well, see, they're in the they're in the vine of it. They're in the uh, in the uh, roots. You can see that they kill the root. The plant dies. You may also be talking about squash vine borer, which is a grub that gets into the vine low on the low on the vine, right close to the roots, and usually this, this yellow. Uh, so little pellets of yellow that come out of the vine where they have their excrement, where they've eaten the center of the vine, and the whole plant just sort of wilts down real quickly, wilts down real quickly yeah. to the ground. Yeah, that's right. There is kind of like a yellow yeah. uh, substance coming out of there. But, you yeah. know, I don't—I'm afraid of insecticides. All right, here's now, what you do. Let me, let me tell you what to do, Larry. For the squash vine borer, which really is a more serious, but I think both of the insects, both the pickle worm and the squash vine, <clears throat> squash vine borer, can be controlled the same way. There's a material, you can buy it at nurseries, buy it at Pike, called floating row cover. It's called frost cloth sometimes, but it's really lightweight white stuff. It looks almost like cheesecloth. And you can well, put that over the plants when they're young, when they're young before they start even blooming. Put the frost cloth over the top of them, anchor it down with some stones or limbs or something like that. And the frost cloth, the sunshine comes through it fine, rainwater comes through it just fine, and you don't have to take it off until the plant is actually blooming. And that is a good long while, and you know, 
from the time it sprouts until the time it blooms. And all during that time, you prevent the moth that lays the eggs for the vine borer from getting on there or the pickle worm, either one. Okay, now you just said the key word. This whole thing starts with a like a moth or a butterfly. Yeah. They're the ones that lay that eggs. Yep, you got it. Okay. Well, so you... I don't know. If I, but there's no, like, uh, what am I trying, that white powder? Uh, or earth or seven dust or something like that. Seven dust. That would do nothing. Uh, not really well. The great the only time I've been successful with seven dust was dusting it at the base of the vine about every three days it seemed like. And that'll kill the the vine borer too. Just dust it, put it okay. I, I put mine on a little piece of old sock and <laughs> take the sock and just sort of dap 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 a little bit on the base of the vine and that killed the vine borers pretty well. I'd rather do that. You know, sock and okay. Well, well, look here. Now, one more fast real, thing. Real I don't want to yeah, real okay. In, in late August, I've never tried before. Is there any plants, you, uh, vegetables you can plant like late August that would sure. be be uh, good for coming up in like November? Uh, it's going to be mostly leafy oh. things like lettuce, and spinach, and broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, cabbage. Stuff like that is what you can plant in in the fall. Okay, but not not cucumbers or squash no, or enough time. No, you don't have enough. You could probably plant squash now and have a crop of squash, but for cucumbers and um, tomatoes and corn things like that, it just takes too long before they make fruit, before they make anything to harvest. Okay, well, thank you. Now I appreciate right. you here. Oh, it's great talking to you, Larry. Thank you, sir. It's 617 at News Talk WSB. Our number, 404-872-0750. In the next half hour, Martin wants to know about his yellow-green apple tree and what's going on with his apples. And then Lee and Marietta wants to know how to prune his really, really big fig tree. If you want to join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB. Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Walter. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. Partly cloudy today, high of 92, low of 74. Sunday, about the same thing, high of 92, low of 73. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, and we've got two comes in here next. Lee and Marietta comes to us. Hi, Lee. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Lee. What's up? Question I've got is... Uh... I've recently moved back to a house I grew up in, and we've had a fig bush there for 25-plus years. Yeah. It, uh, it's got to be at least 10-plus feet around. Um, and my father's still in his house running from him, and he wants the figs. He loves the figs. Mm-hmm. problem is <clears throat> it's not ripening up as fast as it used to. I'm from 
the history of this uh, big tree. Okay. My theory is if we prune it back a little bit, uh, it will ripen up the fruit that's on there. And um, it, I, I feel it's kind of stressed out from trying to ripen a lot, a lot of the fruit that's on there. Yeah. If I prune it back, will it ripen up the other fruit quicker? Probably not, because the more leaves you remove, then the less sugar there is being produced to ripen the figs to, to get the figs to swell up. What about watering? Okay. Have you gotten rain in the last two or three days? I have at my house. I don't know about you. Not in the last two or three days. Uh, but I, I, work, I work nights. Um, yeah. I'm not familiar with what it's doing during the day. I'm usually sleeping. Um, <laughs> Well, that is one so, thing that it will really push ripening on a fig. I have two big fig bushes between myself and my neighbor. And for at least a couple, three weeks, it seems like they were just not changing, not doing anything, just staying green, small on the on the bush. And as soon as it rained yeah. a couple of times, whoo, they all turned brown at one. Bang, 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 bang. So water okay. could be a limiting factor on them not ripening very fast for you. Okay. So I might need to just do a little extra watering on it. That is what I would try first, not pruning, but watering. Okay. I think you'd be better off that way. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, man. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks for calling, right. Lee. Bye. 404-872-0750 is my number. By the way, you know, we have a weekend prize pack to give away. Ashley Frasco, let's give away the weekend prize pack. All right. Ashley Frasca will determine a number between two and seven to determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Cirque du Soleil Volta, which opens October the 10th under the big top at Atlantic Station. Ashley Frasca, what number? Hold your fingers up. Caller number three, 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. Wins tickets to Volta opening October 10th at the big top at Atlantic Station. And don't forget, tomorrow, your Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution comes out, which I will be reading tomorrow morning, starting around 8 o'clock. Tomorrow, I'll open the page, and I'll go from front to back, as I do every Sunday. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution gives me all the news I need to know, a summary of the things that happened during the week, coverage of national and local news investigations, which I really love talking to, and the greatest writing. I love reading Bill Torpy, Jim Galloway, Gracie Bond Staples had a great series about race and religion in Atlanta. I really enjoy the Sunday edition of the AJC, and I hope you will join me and also subscribe to other days during the week because on Thursday, the garden section has Walter in there talking about garden things and answering questions as well. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, credible, compelling, and complete. 727, we'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning, 77 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want in your landscape or your garden. And we need your help. Ashley and I, this morning, want to run an experiment to see if we can actually take garden questions through the WSB radio app. All right, so a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of you have the WSB radio app on your phone. And you know that there's a microphone down the lower right-hand corner of the open mic app. 
And when you press it, it'll let you record for about a minute, minute and a half maybe. And usually we use it for traffic and breaking news and things like that. But there's no reason that you cannot ask a brief garden question. So if you want to try this, we're going to log in and then be on this end that we can listen to the questions and edit them and then put them on the air. So if you want to be part of the experiment, open your WSB radio app, log in, give us your name, give us your town, give us where you're from, and then a brief question. Practice it so it's just one or two sentences is really all we can take because it doesn't, it's going to cut you off if it's longer than that. And then Ashley and Jason will edit it on this end, and then during the next half hour, hour maybe, we'll see if we put you on the air. Use the WSB radio app to ask your garden question. Let's go to Martin on Cumming, Georgia. Hey, Martin, good morning. Yeah, hi. Hey, hi, uh, Martin. I got an apple tree up home that my father put out. He brought it from his mother's house up in Kentucky. Wow. It's getting old, and I need to find a couple more of them before it, uh, anything happens to it. Got it. It ripens in June. At the end of June, oh. it start they start getting really ripe, and then by the middle to end of July, they're gone. They're through. Huh. Uh, right. Most of the ones I find in nurseries are fall apples. Sure. It's uh, they're a yellowish green with a blush on the side that faces the sun. If you're going to ask me they're to ID it, Martin, green. you're going to be just, I said, if you're going to ask me to ID this apple from <laughs> describing the fruit, you're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed because I don't know anything about apple identification, but I have some ideas. So keep going. Okay, they're they're kind of tart for eating, but they cook real good. Yeah. You fry them, you make apple butter. My sister makes an apple butter. She doesn't even put sugar in it. Wow. Sounds great. They're so good. They're so good. Uh, they're about four or five inches across, about the size of my fist. Mm -hmm. uh, they keep pretty well if you keep them dry and keep them cool, or if you smoke them with sulfur. You know, uh, over the years, Martin, there have probably been... Thousands, I'm sure there have been thousands of apple varieties that have been planted and used for various things. Some are better for, as you say, for cooking, some for drying, some better for making cider out of, some better for fresh eating, some that ripened early, some that ripened late. And so these thousands and thousands of apple varieties, each one hopefully a little bit different from the next. And so identifying each one is going to be tough for anybody like me, sort of a general landscape yeah garden kind of guy, but not one who's specifically into apples. But here's some ideas. Okay. Here's some ideas on how to identify it. Number one, this would be a lot of fun for you to try, Martin. Are you on Facebook? Do you have a Facebook account? Mm, no, I don't really go on there much. I have I have a Facebook page, but I think I've been there maybe twice in a year. <laughs> not very active then, Martin. No. Uh, if no. you did, and I'll let other listeners hear about this as well, but if you did be active, you were active on Facebook, there's a group called Plant Identification, and you can join it. You just click a little button that says, I want to join this group, and then they note, send a note back to you and say, okay, you're part of it. And people put in pictures of their plants that they want identified. And I thought to myself as you were talking, I wonder if they could ever identify a variety of apples. Surely somebody in those thousands of people in that group would know a little bit more about apples than I do. And so if my other listeners, other than Martin, who doesn't use Facebook, but if you want to identify a plant, try the plant identification. That's all it's called, plant identification group on Facebook, and see if they come up short or if they come up and do a great job for you identifying your plant. All right, that's number one, Martin. Number okay. two, there are two or three good 
nurseries up in north, not North Georgia, but now it's up in North Carolina and Virginia. And if you go on my website and type, let's see, what's the easiest way to find it? Fruit Tree Sources. And left a search line on my website, it's like Fruit Tree Sources. It has the names of three, I think, good fruit nurseries. And again, you need a picture of their apple. You can't just say it by word, but if they could get a picture, I think some of them would be able to identify the apple for you that way. Yeah, I've got pictures of the tree. i got pictures of the twig, the leaves, the blooms, and, and the fruit. Awesome. You so know, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley just came in, Martin, and said a caller who's more knowledgeable about apples than me said, what about Macintosh? He thinks this is whatever you described. I, I, got like a Macintosh, Macintosh. I got a Macintosh apple on the same property. Uh-huh. Their ripening time is drastically different. I see. All right. So not Macintosh. <laughs> Well, try one of my ideas, Martin. Try the fruit nurseries in uh, the northeast part of the country. And if somebody can help you on Facebook, get you a part of the plant identification group and try submitting it there because you have what's needed. You have the pictures of the bloom, the apple, the, you know, everything you need. It's just finding somebody that knows what they're talking about to identify it for you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. I was- All right. That early, that early ripening period, yeah, I really sure like that. Yeah, sounds like a good way to tell it what it is. I don't know what it is. I just don't. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Sure. Let us know, Bart. I would be really curious if anybody does eventually identify the apple. I'd really like to know how that works. Thanks for calling, Martin. Tony is in Ackworth and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tony, good morning. Good morning, sir. How hey, are man. you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Tony. What's up? Uh, we are having a difficult time uh, getting rid of millipedes. Oh, yeah, We've man. had them for about six weeks. They're yep. getting in the basement. We've probably killed 100,000 of them, and sure. they just keep coming. Sweep them up, put them in the garbage can, just fill the garbage can full of them. Exactly. I, I think the easiest way to control them, Tony, is to spray any liquid ba- or water-based garden insecticide, landscape insecticide. Some are based on uh, putting a thing on your hose, you know, some you can put in the garden sprayer, mix up as a concentrate. But if you make a band around the house, and the mulch particularly, because that's where the millipedes live, is in the mulch, and make a band around the house a couple of feet wide out from the foundation, a couple of feet up the foundation, and on the base of, of the foundation too, then that will kill, I think, as many millipedes as you need to be to find them to be under control. You won't kill every millipede in your landscape. They do serve a purpose. They're food for other creatures. They eat things and decompose things themselves. So you don't want to kill every millipede. You just don't want them inside your house. Right. So I think the mulch areas is where they live, where it's damp, under shrubs, things like that. Treat that with insecticides and see if that doesn't help to diminish them a little bit. All right. I appreciate your help, sir. It's good talking to you, Tony. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Bye. 743 and go-go. Hey, go-go, good morning. Good morning to you, Walter. What's going on, go-go? Well, go-go's had orchids in a beautiful sunroom, about <laughs> uh, about 45 of them for over 30 years. Wow. And all of a sudden, we went away for a couple of weeks, and when I got back, some of them, about four or five of them, I see have this white powdery stuff on them, and it looks like powdery mildew, but yeah. I've never had that before. So huh. what what is it? And it's on the leaves, and it's on the stems, I, and I did see a little bit on some buds, but yeah. is it a bug? Is, is it a, what is it? No scale, right? You you know what orchid scale looks like? It's sort of white and like an insect bumps bow that live on the stem and on the leaves, so it couldn't be scale, could it? I don't. I don't 
No, I mean, it It just mis- it appeared while we were away. And yeah. I, I don't know. I watered them before I left, you know, in the sink, like I always do, and drain them. And so I don't think I overwatered them or yeah. whatever. Well, powdery mildew is certainly real common this year. It's on dogwoods, crepe myrtles. Flocks. I've heard lots and lots of reports of powdery mildew on lots of plants, and I guess as easily as it gets on a tree, it could get on your on your orchids as well. So in, um, in the house, yeah, they're in, in, in the there. house. Yeah. Okay. On a on an outdoor plant, the usual technique is to spray with an oil-based spray. Neem is one that's commonly used for outdoor plants, and so neem oil is used outdoors, and it doesn't kill the powdery mildew or it doesn't get it off the leaf. What it does is protect the new leaves that are on the plant so they don't get it on them. Mm-hmm. So on an orchid, you don't have many new leaves being produced. You have the old leaves covering the white powder, but you don't have the new leaves. You don't have right. many anyway, new leaves to, to protect there. So I'm wondering, if it is powdery mildew, usually you can wipe it off and you don't have, you know, you're, you're not busy all day long. So why not try and see if you can simply wipe it off with a little bit of light, 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 light soap on a paper towel or a piece of cloth and okay. see if you just wipe it off the leaves? I've, I put some in the sink and, and wiped and not, I'm looking, I'm watching. I had a couple of them I threw away. I was scared it was going to go to the other ones. Yeah. But I, a couple of them that I could get to it real good. I did wipe it off, so I watched those and see if it comes back. Yeah, all right. But not with. Not, sometimes they say when you have those aphids or whatever, you put alcohol. Yeah, exactly. On. I don't think that's going to help on the on the powdery mildew, but try to see. It's not going to hurt anything. To okay. Just experiment a little bit on one or two plants. You may you may increase the knowledge base of your garden host this morning if you'll try that and uh, yeah. let us know what happens. I'd love okay. to know. I'll, be, I'll do that. All it right. doesn't look like they fly away. You know, some of those white things, when they're on stuff, they you touch it and they fly, yeah, they but flip this off, is sure. just on there, like mold almost. When you right. figure it out, let us know. Okay, Walter. Thank right. you so go, much. Go, thanks for calling. We'll see you soon, go. It's 7.47 in News Talk. Oh, by the way, we have our very first open mic question. In the next half hour after the news segment here, we'll let you hear the first open mic question that we've ever had on this radio show. It's 7.47 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. is in a hard rocking mood this morning. A quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, high of 92, low of 74. Same thing for tomorrow. High of 92 degrees, low of 73. Mostly cloudy, not mostly cloudy, mostly sunny. Partly cloudy throughout the day. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. And we have our very first open mic we've ever done. Boy, boy, oh boy, we had eight calls. Bang, 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 bang in our WSB open mic app. First one, Deborah. Let's go with her. Good morning. This is Deborah from College Park. 
Can you please give me the suggestion for some plants to put in my hanging basket, my wall basket on my porch uh, for the fall, something that I can replace the plants with perhaps starting in October that will last during the winter? Yeah. All right. So, Deborah, here's what I would say. First thing, of course, the wintertime plant that everyone uses is pansy. There are some varieties of pansies that are... I want to call them wave pansies, but that's not correct. But there are spreading varieties of pansies, and they go very nicely in a hanging basket. In the middle of the hanging basket, we could have some of the, you could even do, depending on how big it is, you could have one of the ornamental cabbages, ornamental kale, something like that. They'll be really pretty outside. So the traditional things that we typically use for outdoor planting in the garden, in the landscape and around the front of the house, could also be used in the hanging baskets. Just, I think, the hanging wave or spreading kinds of uh, petunias would be, or pansies, excuse me, would be the right thing to use. Great one. And we have two. We have two. Uh, Jason, let's run, let's run Alan as well. See if we get Alan in here. Hello, this is Alan in McDonough. And I want to ask if crepe myrtles can be uh, moved from uh, one location to another. These have been planted for probably over 15 years. Oh. Wow, 15 years means they're really big. That's a tough one, Alan. What I would say is if you're going to move something that's really big, a crepe myrtle that's been in the ground 15 years is probably 10, at least 12 feet tall, got a big root system on it, and moving it now is going to be a real problem because the root system is damaged and left behind when you move it. It's going to be not the tree won't have enough roots to support the leaves for the next couple of months while it's still warm. So what I would do if I were moving a crepe myrtle that was that big is wait until at least October. Probably November would be even better once all the leaves are gone. And at that time, dig a nice, big, wide, donut-shaped root ball. The roots of a crepe myrtle don't go any deeper than 12 or 14 inches, and you can go down 6 inches and get most of the roots. So try to dig a big, wide root ball around it, pancake-shaped, 6 inches deep and 3 feet in all directions from the trunk of the tree. And if you soak the ground the night before you do all this digging, you'll find that you can sometimes pull the roots out of the ground. Just soak it real good and use a hose, maybe a helper to, in there to wash the dirt away for, from it as you, as you work. But you can pull the roots of the crepe myrtle out of the ground and then very gently rock it back and forth, trying to clip and cut and pull and clip and cut and pull until you have a great big wide pancake-shaped root ball slide it from there to the new place, put it in this place so it's about the same height as it was in the first place, backfill it with soil, pack the soil down on top, and next spring you'd be remarkably surprised how well that crepe myrtle will do. There's no need to prune. That's one misconception I think that a lot of people have, and I've maybe said it before myself, but I think I'm wrong about pruning. If you leave the leaves on, or leave the twigs, I should say, branches on the crepe myrtle, Next spring, when they sprout out, they will sense how much root system they have, and they'll be able to adjust and modify how many root, how many leaves they put on to be balanced with the root system you have on the tree. No pruning, big, wide, pancake-shaped root system. You should be able to be successful in moving that 12-foot-high crepe myrtle. It's 7:57. We'll be back to more lawn and garden after news. 